This is the Creasecast. Welcome to an emergency episode of the Creasecast, episode number 103. I am Cody Stevenson. With me, as always, is my co host, the darling Lachlan Irvine. Hi, uh, I'm in hell. We both, <laughs> yeah, we both had really shitty days at work. And in the midst of our shitty days at work, um, depending on where you side on or the ledger, uh, or if you're like a like a family member of Tanner Pearson, this might this news might have made your day even worse, or it might have made your day really good. For Lachlan and I, as you know, having listened to all available episodes of the Creasecast on your favorite podcast platform, we yes. are Team Process. We mm-hmm. believe in smart process. We believe in having a plan. We believe in doing things that make sense and service your plan to create an NHL contender that will compete for cups on a year to year basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks today, uh, four days shy of the 2021 trade deadline elected to re-sign expiring UFA Tanner Pearson to a three year, $3.25 million contract with no trade protection on the second and third year. Lachlan, <laughs> where were you when the earth stood still well uh i remember it like it was any other day um i woken up i had uh had a spring in my step a uh, song in my heart i'm having a great day uh and, and then you know work's not work is work what have you and uh then actually uh you text me you text me because we're gonna we were gonna uh if you don't follow us religiously we were gonna record our reg an off the post episode for our patreon yeah. listeners today um or which is like our uh our show where we just talk about random stuff because especially because there's no canuck stuff going on right now yeah uh, which you should go check out for five dollars a month uh you get every, okay. you get off the post episodes every week um but uh, I get a I get a, a DM from Cody and he's like, so uh, we're not going to be doing uh, no off the post today. I'm thinking, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, what happened? Like I'm thinking something super wrong, and then I see the little TSN and Sportsnet icons pop up on my notifications, and I'm just like, oh no, like oh what yeah. what have they done? What have they done now? <laughs> and you see the Tanner Pearson thing, and first of all, I will say I was a little bit I was a little bit relieved at first because I was like. Oh, cause I thought something bad had happened with all the, when you consider all the COVID stuff that's been, we've been talking about for like the last couple of weeks, my immediate thought when I saw it was like, oh my God, something terrible happened. Right. Mm-hmm. And so for the first couple seconds, I'm just relieved that it's nothing like, like serious, serious, real life whatever. serious. Like yeah. Like it's or something it's right. Know, grand scheme. It's like, yeah, big picture. It's really not anything where, no. you know, getting chuffed about, but no, but we're going to anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, because and then I then then I see the Tanner Pearson thing. I see the like the term. I see the money, and I'm at a loss <laughs> again. Yeah, like, what? What? Is, I, what? Like what? What are you doing? I have so many questions. The first yes. of which is why? Well, why well, are you doing this? We'll we'll take this piece by piece. So first off, what are your thoughts on Tanner Pearson as a player? Because if if I if I was to start, I would say Tanner Pearson is a perfectly serviceable middle to bottom six forward, given his current age and traje- and likely trajectory. He had a very up year last year. He had forty five points. Nine of them came uh, via empty netters. This year, he hasn't been nearly as lucky. He's really struggled to produce. Uh, he hasn't really found any chem- chemistry with Bo Horvat. He's most common center. Uh, Looking forward, he's the kind of guy on like a cheap ticket you would want in your bottom six because he has proven that he does have the wheels and the offensive creativity to actually play in a second line role with the appropriate line mates. But this signing for the dollar value that it's at and given where the Canucks cap structure looks like, I don't know if I would have personally signed it, but... Lachlan, your thoughts on Tanner Pearson, the player? Uh, like, Tanner Pearson, the player, is a great player. I really like what he brings to the Canucks, and, I mean, I see why they would want to bring him back. Um, yeah, we talk. you talk about Bo Horvat, like his chemistry with Bo Horvat, and just uh, how much success he had over, like, the last two, or the last year and a bit 
in Vancouver prior to this season. He looked really good. It, it really looked like they found a great fit uh, for the short, at least for the short term. Yeah. And while they were, or at the very least, let's say you sign a con, you decide where this season is not so much of a wash and you're much more in the playoff hunt, then you can kind of maybe look at it and be like, well, okay, this is a playoff team. Uh, it makes sense that we would keep somebody around who's been a key contributor, who's been a key part of that, the reason why we're a playoff team right now. But this is not a team in the playoffs. This is not a team that should be, like, giving out these hefty contracts to, to a team that has one playoff one playoff year to its name. And frankly was, and let's not kid ourselves, they were out of the playoffs and then got and got in because of playing round uh, BS. If this had been a normal year, there's no telling if they would have made it. Um, you can guess, you can have your guesses, but concrete evidence would suggest that no, they were still on the outside looking in a little bit. And now you're telling me that they you want to sign Tanner Pearson with all of the cap crunch you are already in. Uh, you want to give him another th three years at three point two five million. I think we said I think we said on the two episodes ago because we talked about a potential extension what we might be willing to do. I yeah. think both of us said somewhere in the ballpark of like okay, um, if it's like two years, we can maybe stomach at most like three, like yeah. three, like a flat three. Uh, yeah. If it's two years, um, if you want to, if he has to go to longer like a three year contract, then you it better come down to at least like into like one and a half to two. It yeah. better not come higher than that. Agreed. And instead, instead, we got the instead, best of both worlds. We got term and dollar, and term like, and and a lot of cash and trade protection. So, like, honestly, big prop, big shout out to Tanner Pearson's agent because he just Tanner. bent Jim Benning and that management group over the fucking barrel, man. Like top shelf sports management. Uh, good, like, good that job. Is. That is, yeah. if I'm a player, I am signing with those guys as soon as possible. And I'm saying, get me on the Canucks because I can apparently get whatever the fuck I want with that uh, management group. Now, um, now, let me say, you might be giving too much credit to the agent because, I mean, what agent true. hasn't, like, gotten whatever they wanted yeah. from Jim Benning yeah. in the last See, seven years? See Which our one discussion uh, from our last episode about uh, <laughs> Travis Hamannick and his NMC. Uh, well, I mean, that one's a bit different. That, that one's a much. That one's, different, that one's a different I'm, story. I'm, that one's I'm a very different. A I'm just making a little joke, but okay. Aside from him, the player, the Canucks are currently poised to only have 17 million dollars in cap space, and that's with Furland and Beagle on LTIR. Uh, I mean, just just by the way things look, it doesn't seem like Furland's going to come back, which is a shame. So there is that like three and a half million dollars worth of flex. But and Jay Beagle is Jay Beagle a new who, thing. We have apparently like this is I I, I was listening to uh, I think both of you and I were both listening to uh, 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 Donnie and Dolly on a uh, Check mm -hmm. News the new, mm -hmm. the new on Check the new the new program and they were talking about that apparently Jay Beagle's injury might be career threatening, which is shocking because yeah. we don't even know what it is. We have no, no. idea what he what he's injured why uh, no. why he's out of the lineup. We just know he's hurt. And yeah. to hear that it's sudden, and that's this was only on Tuesday, I think. So only a couple, or like, yeah, a couple days ago, uh, it turned out that he might have like a career-ending injury, uh, which would be awful, awful yeah. for him. The Canucks, in a way, lucky just because they have because that would give them cap room that they wouldn't have had before, but yeah. still not good that it would have to come at that kind of expense of yeah. a player's career-ending, and that's no, and obviously. That's not a guarantee. You might be healthy enough to come back, depending on what it is. Again, no idea. But yeah, they're in a lot of trouble. They're, they're in a whole lot of a lot of trouble. They they've allocated so like obviously with the the Demko signing too. Like they've allocated a lot of their cap already, but they've still yet to sign like a like a bona fide third line center. Like say Beagle is gone. Uh, I don't know if the coach is really like trusted Adam Godet with third line or fourth line center responsibilities. Like he obviously Boyd, maybe? steered away from, but here's the thing. Uh, say the season does resume. Some of these guys are going to come off of LTIR because it's been like two months since they went on. You're going to have to put people on waivers. So guys like 
uh, Travis Boyd or Jimmy VC, they might be the odd man out that go on waivers or Zach McEwen. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I almost want to feel, I want to say they're just stop gaps. Like how we're luck as well. Like they're all just guys basically just here to, to kill time. I can't imagine they're going to be bringing them back. I think just well, the, the way the cap's shaking the out. Yeah. They, next season they have to sign Patterson, Quinn Hughes, they need to completely shake up their defensive group because they're losing Edler and probably Jordy Ben and possibly Travis Hamannick as well. Unless, I mean, there's still four days left until the trade deadline. So maybe Jim's got another extension up his sleeve, but they have nothing to work with basically after they sign Pedersen and Hughes to their, what's likely going to be very expensive bridge deals. I saw on Twitter some people were like, uh, they're going to get bridge terms of five to six million. And I'm like, what 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 players are you you watching that you think they're going to take hometown discounts on a team that throws money and extensions and no movement clauses at anyone over the age of 28? You know what I mean? And also, more importantly... Um, what team, what other of the, uh, what, uh, what team of the other 30 group of the other 31 teams wouldn't say, oh, we only have to offer like more than 7 million on an offer sheet to get Pedersen or Hughes, um, yeah. done. So like that's, which I, I believe is also how it factors in how much you have to compensate them. Uh, if you, if the, uh, the team that yes. you take them from, so yeah. the, the smaller amount you're, uh, able to, the smaller amount you leave for those players the much easier it is for another team to potentially pick them up for a lot less value or, than you get. Like this is this is baffling. Okay. Or they Jeff could completely Ed- bend them over the like they could completely screw them over in the sense that someone could offer sheet uh Elias Pedersen a ten year eleven point seven five million dollar contract. Like Detroit, for example, like offer it, sheets him that. because uh, like they, they can got only offer eight, but yeah. So, no. Sorry, eight, eight at 11.5 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. The Canucks would have to sign it. They would have to agree. And then all of a sudden you have $6 million left to try and work Quinn Hughes to a deal. Like... <laughs> that's a disaster waiting to happen if it happens uh, uh, and either and then maybe some other team goes okay we're gonna do the same yeah, we're thing, gonna do the exact same thing <laughs> like when use no <laughs> like and then like and then if they sign them then they have to oh shed every asset imaginable to get rid of have... erickson's deal get rid of beagle's deal get rid of God, and i believe because the nhl and because the NHL is a hard cap, I think they would have to do it before they could sign the other deal. So they would literally have like 24 hours to yeah, get it done. They would, uh, be, and basically take the worst possible. <laughs> oh my you, God. It would just be the- lit. It's like, it, it's like, it would be like literally Pedersen and Hughes just sitting in like an empty plot. Like someone stole the house around them and all of their things. Like they would just like. There's there's definitely a cartoon that's done that before where literally a thief just steals the entire house around the two people like <laughs> sitting in the middle on the floor and that's all they have left is just the floor. Oh <laughs> like that's kind of what it, oh my god this is it's that's kind of what we're looking at. I mean yeah. Like uh, Jeff Bayet tweeted today the Canucks have, t- have 23.5 million committed next year to Myers, Erickson, Pearson, Beagle, Roussel and Vertanen. Out evolving hockey has this group worth a combined minus six point seven GAR this year. I believe that's goals Ugh. above replacement. Um, they have seventeen million remaining to sign Pedersen, Hughes, and fill six to eight more roster spots. <laughs> Disastrous. That is. Uh, yep, that's correct. That's a uh, that's unfortunately all correct. This is a mess. It's yeah, and like the whole. Uh, Jim Benning press conference from a few uh, weeks ago or months ago, however long it's been now. Uh, It's been mean to death, but he said it would be two years before the team was like competitive going for the playoffs over and over again. So you think to yourself, if you know you need two more years to compete with the elite teams of the division, um, why are you signing a 28 year old to a two year or three year deal? So he'll be 30 to 31 by the time the deal's over. Like, are you that, like, 
are you that invested in Tanner Pearson that you think in three years from now he's still going to be a top six winger for you at three million dollars? Like, even if everything goes according to plan, you really don't think someone's going to come in and take his spot by that point? Like, like you don't, I don't think a Vasily Podkolzin is already going to be your number two by in three years from now? Like, I, I, what I, are you doing? I just like wonder because like the. The Canucks luck, like everyone kind of jokes, like, you know, how lucky the Canucks are and whatever, or unlucky the Canucks are, right? But for Jim Benning and the way that he throws money around, you would think he believes that he is the luckiest man on the planet or something because COVID hit his team in such a way that they eked their way into a playoffs that they were on the verge of losing. And then... Again, this year, it screwed his team so hard that he can now make the excuse of, oh, they didn't make playoffs this year because, as he said in his press conference, you know, people got sick in the beginning and it screwed up our training camp. They got sick towards the end and we couldn't mount the comeback. There's uh, like COVID has given him so many, many excuses for him to explain away why the team he's iced is such dog shit. As and, if he didn't have like thirty thousand of them ready to go already. Like yes, they could have had a perfect he, year, and he would have found some way to blame somebody else. Yeah, he's used up so much luck through the last three hundred sixty-five days that it's baffling. He would think, oh, signing a another three-year deal to a bottom six aging player is gonna work out finally, when it has not worked out once in seven years. Eric Goodbranson three-year deal traded away one year into it not even one year like three months into his extension for tanner pearson um who else sam gagne signed to a three-year deal traded after one year or sorry not even traded put to the utica comets or not the utica comets the ahl the marley play with the the marley's Marley's because they didn't want to separate i think he made it four i think he made it two and a half i think he made it two and a half uh i think it was a year i think he played one year look that up and he was he... traded away. Uh, look it up. After him, it's... Uh, oh, God, who was it? Uh, I mean, you can go down the list. I mean, there's so many of them. I mean, obviously, Louis Erickson you kind of throw in there. There's Jay Beagle. There's Antoine Roussel. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Beagle, like... like not Beagle not Roussel- an NHL caliber player after... Well, I mean, he's pretty much a well, not an NHL caliber player the minute they signed him. He can penalty kill, but, I mean, you don't spend three or... Sorry, four million dollars... He would have been to do that. If you take if any team, just about any team would be fine with it. Would be fine taking a Jay Beagle uh, for about a million dollars or a million and a half. Like if you if that's the deal you're coming at them with, yeah, lots of teams would take a Jay Beagle. Three mil, three million a season? Hell no, absolutely yeah. not. That's not happening. But like, it's just like how how do you? How do you operate a team for this long and just think that like nothing's like nothing's changed. You haven't learned a single goddamn thing. Like Sven Berchi is sitting on your taxi squad or sorry, not your taxi squad in your AHL squad. He can't be not even your taxi squad. He costs so much. You can't even bring him up to your taxi squad when your whole team is riddled with COVID because he costs too much. And it's in a, he costs too much against a deal that you signed like a year before you decided he wasn't good enough. Michael Furlan, uh, same thing. You signed him to a deal that was immediately awful because he, Michael Furlan basically said he's worried about concussions and the impact it's going to have on his daily life. And sure enough, I he mean, plays 17 yeah. games and it's, it's over. Like there's just, this is, this is a team I, that has learned nothing. They've learned absolutely nothing. No, it, th- that's what have, today was basically. It was just cementing the fact that we all know we, we already knew it anyway with the, with the we live day to day comment in that miserable press conference that this team does not learn from their mistakes. They operate with goldfish brain. They do not remember anything they've done in the previous years. They've never learned from their mistakes. Tanner Pearson, like, like this has nothing to do with him as the player. Like if you get him on no, a cheap ticket, get I'm your fine money. With keeping Go him. Go for it. Go for it. Dude. He, yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's worked long enough in the NHL that he deserves like extensions like this, but from a process standpoint, it's just so deflating to see like it feels like I'm in 2018 or 2017 again when they're extending Gagne, when they're signing Roussel and Beagle Beagle back to back. Like it's so 
fucking frustrating. And like, I was listening to radio on my way home. 650 is usually like a pretty positive station. And every single caller was just like, what are we doing? What is the team doing? How can they be making the same mistakes over and over again? And almost every single caller would have 10 seconds of their their call time taken off because they'd add the caveat. I really like Tanner Pearson. He seems like a great yeah. guy. And yes. under any circumstances, I would sign him, but not with the money that they currently have allocated, which yeah. gets me to the next segment of Lachlan. Do you well, believe the team is operating with some kind of knowledge that perhaps beyond Beagle, that maybe a Louis Erickson is not coming back as well? Because that's the I, only thing I can rationalize in my brain as to why they would be so gun like gung ho to just sign these deals for next year without even having signed their coach or their goalie coach or their assistant coach. But what would the incentive be for Louis Erickson not to come back? Like, what incentive is there for him? It doesn't. Seem there there like isn't. He... But I just mean in the sense like, is like like do they would, know something would, we don't? Do they know something the, the... that we don't? And that's why they felt comfortable signing a Tanner Pearson to a three-year deal because they know on top of Furland, like probably being done in the NHL, uh, maybe Erickson has been like, you fuck this season. Like I'm not going to do another year of this. I'm going to retire at the end of this season. Or maybe Beagle does the same or, you know what I mean? Like that's the only thing I can think of is that they know like up to $10 million is coming off the cap due to LTIR or retirement or something. That's the only thing I can rationalize. And honestly, after having a crappy day, like I did today, if, if I veer too heavily on the pessimism side and I don't stick to the thought that they know something I don't, then I'll just, my brain will explode because then it just doesn't make any sense. And we're back to square one of this is just bad process. It's more of the same. I mean, I, it is, it is entirely possible that they know something you don't, uh, that we don't, uh, maybe, maybe some players aren't coming back beyond just the players that we already kind of have an idea may or may not be uh, considering a retirement or, or that sort of thing. Um, but like we've talked about lots of times in this very in our very short run of episodes together, well, thirty episodes. We've been going at it for quite a bit now. It feels like um, we've been doing this podcast for like a year and a half, and it's been like three yeah. months only. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of reps in. We've yeah, gotten yeah. a lot of reps. Um, as we've well established, there's this thing that Canucks don't have, uh, and it's called foresight. It's called they don't have that brains. It's called brains and it's called foresight. They yeah. have no foresight. They have some brain. They have no foresight. And the foresight thing is amazing considering it's, like we said, it's nearing 10 years of the same group. And the fact that no one's come into the organization and, and altered that said, mindset and said we should think ahead, it's... Oh, it's, yeah, goodness. it's, it's, I really, yeah, I've, I, I don't expect them to like, I don't expect there to be anything else. Like I expect them to make no moves at the trade deadline now, like for sure. I, I, I'd be stunned if they actually move money out. Like I keep hearing people say, oh, the, the clearly they're going to move money out. Right. I'm like, oh yeah, totally. They're going to, they, they just like they were going to totally trade Tanner Pearson. Like, just like they <laughs> were. Totally gonna re-sign Jacob Markstrom and uh, Tyler Toffoli and everyone else. Trade Dan Hamhuse for a pick. They were gonna yeah, like they were gonna do stuff the deadline. They were gonna they say it every year for picks. Like you know what they they talk such a big game every single year and then don't do anything to back it up. And they always like they literally try the whole like oh we're being coy like oh like or they're like it sounds like they might be upping the trade value of somebody and then oops nope they actually signed them like that oh you're no, actually have just no clue what you're doing everything um, they do is kind of like it's like the most the most obvious thing you know what i mean it's like yeah. what would uh what would uh an algorithm do based on ge- generic hockey like moves you know what i mean that's what the yeah. algorithm what would, would an do, algorithm like, do but do, but if it were always making the incorrect choice <laughs> yeah yeah it's like like it's all they, allowed to it's, learn it's the che- it's like it's like a chess robot but it's like it's like it moves like the it's moving like the horse 
like in a straight line like a queen yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like nope nope, nope. you can't do that i tried teaching <laughs> or like it you like the pawn that. or like the pawn they're like trying to move like in like yeah. different diagonals and stuff it's like nope mm-mm, you can't do that and it just keeps making it's the no. it's the robot arm from iron man i think its name is dummy i think <laughs> like I tony it. stark's like robot arm well, that he is... keeps yelling at it's it, they don't know what they don't they don't have a plan there's no, no succinct decision making going on and no. it's completely going to cost them. Like, I'm already coming to terms with multiple things. Like, number one thing I've already come to terms with is the fact that as long as this management group is in charge. And maybe this sounds glib. Maybe this is way too grim. But I, as, as long as they're here, I don't see this team ever winning a championship. Ever. Like, no, as agree. long as they're here, they're cooked. They're not going anywhere. They might win a few playoff rounds here or there. But that's just the Calgary Flames. Like, do you really want that? Is that what you want? Do you really want to see them turn into a team that literally just fires coaches like a carousel every single year thinking this will solve the problem. That'll get, that'll get, uh, Goudreau and Monaghan to be first liners, even though they're not like, like, do you really want to see that here? And then it's been seven years of wheel spinning. Yeah. Like how, how can it be? How can, how has the bar been lowered this way? The years they were tanking, they weren't tanking. They were trying no, they were to make trying the playoffs. They were trying to every year. They were just so bad <laughs> that they tanked anyway. This like, is that's, the stuff that baffles me. That is the most frustrating thing is when you hear people or read people being like, "Oh, they did a rebuild." It's like trading Burrows and Hanson for two prospects that c- contributed nothing to the organization isn't rebuilding. Like, Sure, it's, that, it's an that shows a semblance of 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 a rebuild, That's, but it's that not. Is one it's not step a full of like what you would need to do, but that isn't like a rebuild would have been selling off everything you have for first round and second round picks. And it's, when it's they the whole... did do this, they sold you know BXA for a second. They traded it for older guys that would help them compete immediately. And you know I'm the guys they identified, they traded for Lyndon Vay. A second round pick for Lyndon Vay. They traded for Lyndon Vay. I thought he was yes. USA. Oh my no. god! <laughs> god. They for him. He was and that the was your one. For him. And that was like <laughs> that was twenty fifteen or something. Like that was your one. Just, Jesus. It just—it's oh. just so frustrating that, like you said, the fact that like Jim's being allowed to make these kinds of deals now kind of spells it out that he's going to be given another year to you know see oh, his. Yeah vision and i'm using the term vision vision as loosely as possible here because it isn't a vision it's just wheel spinning the it's a kaleidoscope he's looking into a kaleidoscope with oh look at all the pretty colors (laughs) yeah it's like hey uh all these guys that i've signed to deals that are you know over 27 years old not a single one has worked out except for jt miller uh why don't i double down and just try tanner pearson for another three years he's had a really down year but Surely he'll bounce back. It always works out that way, right? It's it's so baffling that all you can do is just hope that change is on the way. It seems like it's going to be another year of pain, but you have to think there's, I mean, I can tell you right now, there is zero chance this team is making playoffs next year. Not with the, not with what they have to do to rebuild their defense and still sign their star players there's just no way they're a contender in either of the next two to three years unless Vasily pod colson comes in and he's actually like ovechkin level like con- like contributor like there's just no way you're even, demanding even so then, much of your young stars to carry the load of like the the bodies they're going to have to sign for cheap to fill the gaps because they don't have the money. I mean, can they even afford to sign the cheap bodies anymore? I don't think they can. Like, well, where like, are, like, are you going to, like, how can you find even a minimum, squeeze a minimum deal in there anywhere when you have to put in Pedersen and Hughes? Like, I, mean, I think what you have is what you're already here and already stuck with until, and like, uh, Drancer had it perfectly today. He talked about, he made the the joke of like you can't you can't uh what was it you can't um you can't run out of time with the bad contracts or run the clock if out of the bad not, contracts if you keep signing, keep signing them. them yeah because it's true again like, 
Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, and I've already, like, the other thing I was going to say is I've already come to terms with the fact that they're going to re-sign Brandon Sutter next year. Like, that's already going to happen. Like, I'm already like, yep, they're going to do that. They're they're, going to sign him in the next three days. They're going to give him a five-year extension. They're going to extend Brandon Sutter uh, before they extend, give Pedersen and Hughes their deals because apparently they're, like, that's the whole other dynamic we can get into after, which is the fact of why on earth did you prioritize Tanner Pearson ahead of Hughes and Pedersen? Like, why would you prioritize them? Why would you prioritize yeah. Tanner Pearson? Like, again, maybe, and again, this is being unfair to Tanner himself, because, again, nice guy, yeah. and I do think, and I'll say no this. no problem with Tanner Pearson. This is all no, issues not. in the process, right? I literally wrote an article last year about how great he was and why he had such a great rookie, or not rookie, um, like but breakout, like, record first year with the Canucks, like career, career high in points, career high in points. And he, with games remaining, had the season continued as normal. He had a great year last year. And I think, you know, there is a world where there's like, there is a world where this contract does pan out, but it's slim. It's very, <laughs> it's very, very slim because of yeah. how much they signed him for and for how much term. But the fact of the matter is they also have, they also have to deal with the fact that there are contracts that need to be tendered to Pedersen and Hughes, of course, but also to a, to a di- in a certain in a different sense, Travis Green and Ian Clark don't have contracts yet, and you prioritize Tanner Pearson over them. Why? Why on earth would you prioritize uh, your like a guy who's probably going to be on your third line, but within the next two years ahead of your goddamn head coach or your goalie coach, who's literally worked his ass off to turn Jacob Markstrom into an elite goaltender and Thatcher Demko into one after? Which Why? again? Which again, like, cycles back to the, which again cycles back to the whole, why now? Why did Thatcher Demko need to be extended right now? Why did Tanner Pearson need to be extended right now? Like, they and have people are less time. And people are less mad about Tan, about the Demko one because obviously yeah. Demko it's was going to... That contract's sound and solid yeah, and but it the makes optics sense. Of it, the optics of it are... You'd have you don't have your head coach signs or your goalie coach sign, but you sign the player first, like before the trade deadline, before you even know how the rest of the season's gonna go. You had plenty of time to work this out. Same with the Pearson thing. That the team might come back in the next, you know, month or so, play some meaningless games, and Tanner Pearson might never score again for all they know. And suddenly this three-year deal is immediately untradeable. It is a complete albatross. I think it probably is an albatross already, just because, Jake like, just knowing, just knowing deal. Canucks, knowing Canucks luck, there's no way this deal ages well. But it's like, why now? The trade deadline, you don't need to sign them before. Like, there was no impetus to do it. Maybe it's they were worried of the whole like we don't want the the communication issues like uh messaging to like continue into next year like we want to look like we're taking care of our players because obviously Tanev, Stetcher, Toffoli all left under the impression that they weren't sure what the direction of the team was doing this might have been a let's try and save face and just jump and sign the two guys we can sign but they still got Pedersen and Hughes to sign and instead of working Demko and Pearson's deals around those two's giant extensions or bridge deals that they're going to need. They are now going to have to work those two's deals into their restricted cap while factoring the fact that they need to re-sign like 14 players to field a competitive ice hockey team. It is like on in any other market, if there was fans they would be booing and demanding Benning to be fired. They would have been fire Benning. Chance would be loud. I think that I think honestly, I'm I'm fascinated to see how uh, game one of the home opener back. next year goes. Like, well, like I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it's a loss. Like even if it's a like a close loss, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes out like first game. Like yeah. because people are mad now, and literally they've been cooped up inside for the last. Yeah, so they're going to want good hockey. Over a year, they're going to want good hockey. And they're going to have all the pent-up anger from what they've seen. And what basically, in a way, what the team has gotten away with, I use in air quotes, while they're gone. Because in a way, almost having fans is a bit of a... Fans are like, yeah, keeping you in check by being in the building. They're kind of your, like... 
they're your, like, let's see the damage here. They're kind of there to, like, inspect and make sure things are going well. They keep you honest to a sense, but when they're not there, it's very easy to do things like this because suddenly you don't see those people. You don't see anybody to get mad at, to during for getting that, mad at you. Yeah, like, during that losing streak in February, like, there's no way they're coming away unscathed. There's just no Ooh, way. They're gone. They're fired. They're, they're completely gone because fans would go nuts and Aqualini reacts on... Uh, I guess on fan pressure. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but at one point, Aquilini's Twitter, I don't know if it's still there, but like moments after uh, they announced the Pearson extension, uh, one of Aquilini's most recent likes was like a random Tanner Pearson fact from Jeff Patterson. <laughs> it was like how many games he played and how many total points he's had. And as we know, he had the tweet about Demko play contributing unreal goaltending like a week before his extension like his hands are on the wheel and if fans are in the stands booing the product on the ice that technically he has a hand on the wheel of to creating and benning is right next to him who has his two hands on the wheel you know aquilini isn't going to be like oh well i'm going to take my hands off and that'll solve the problem he's going to take the other guy's hands off because he thinks he's the problem so, this is all bad. The process is awful. I am miserable and, and if looking you want... forward to nothing anymore. Nothing anymore? Jesus. There's, hey, there's, a, the there's AHL You're hockey bus. tomorrow. That's pretty neat. There is AHL hockey tomorrow. You're back. You finally get to cover a game. Um, I will also say, just on that whole why now thing, like as well, and you and I talked about this in the pre-show, um... Now they, there's the no-trade clause now. There's the no-trade clause in that first year, which mm -hmm. is purposely thrown... Well, I believe was purposely thrown in there so he can't get exposed in the expansion draft. So they now have to protect him. Which, uh, once again, begs the question of, hey, why didn't you wait until after the expansion draft to sign him? That way yeah. he's not on your roster and you technically don't have to protect him. Why is he there? As far as I know, they could have met the requirements for players without it and even then hey you know what else is an option you could wait until the end take advantage of the teams that are smack up against that extension pick don't want to lose guys for nothing and pick up, pick somebody up a top for 40 cheap. or something for nothing pick up yeah. pick up, pick like up another Nate schmidt. Nate schmidt like again we literally on the very last episode we talked about how jim benning makes us mad because every now and then we see a sort of a glint a glimpse of Oh, this guy kind of maybe knows what he's doing. Yeah. And then he does something like this. Yeah, like I said, all like, the moves there's that, no point. All the moves that he makes are just like shit that is completely on the nose. You know what I mean? It's it's stuff you would completely expect and we I think it's Stockholm syndrome now where Knucks fans <laughs> and you and I are telling ourselves like, oh, it's going to lead to something more complex. He's going to take advantage of teams that are up against it for the expansion draft. And it's like, no, he's Seriously. just going to re-sign everyone he needs to. And then anyone who he can't keep, he's going to let it walk away for free because he there can't multitask. There's not enough people in the front office to manage multiple uh, negotiations at one time. It's just laser focused. We're going to sign Demko. Okay, done. Next guy, let's get Pearson. Okay, done. Don't even yeah. shop him. Don't even see what we can get on the open market. It's just, this is our guy. Laser focus. Don't even look at comparables or, you know, no sense of the timeline. Let's say one week, it's two years until we're ready to compete. And then the next day we're signing guys to five-year deals. Like Constantly runs their own assets into the ground. Like, they have opportunities yeah. to trade guys for actually decent returns, and they just don't, even though they should, even though every every person with the semblance of, like, foresight will tell you, hey, trade them now before while, it's, while you still can, and they just don't, because they're like, nope, they're the future, even though they're old, and yeah. gotta get now. worse. Yeah, yeah. like, this yeah. is... This is, they do this every single time. And yeah, literally, like, even this year, people have been, like, like with the whole tweets of people going, like, well, clearly they must be moving out Capro. Like, clearly they're going to make moves and, like, create space and stuff. I'm like, no, they're not. No, they're yeah. not. They're just going to sit there. They're going to yeah. sit there and do nothing. Of course they're, gonna, they're not going to do anything. They're going to sit like, and let not gonna problems that. solve themselves. They had such a freebie when Michael Furland said he wasn't coming back. 
and was going to start the season on LTIR because I'm pretty sure if that didn't happen, they were over the cap three and a half million dollars because of the signing of Braden Holpe and um, Schmidt. Schmidt. Yeah. It w- without Furlan going on LTI, they're fucked. So I yeah. can only guarantee you that heading into next season, they're going to sign over the dollar amount and they're going to hope that a couple guys are just going to be like volunteer themselves to be like, Oh, we can't play bud. That's like the, that's the MO of this organization is just like, let problems let, solve themselves for them. So they don't have to be creative or think or do things that they might think are un old white hockey man, like, or some shit. Like it's, it's, it's baffling. It's, it's baffling, especially because like, like seriously, when was the last time, when was the last time Jim Benning sold a player, an asset, uh, a declining asset, and got returned back on them? Was I think it was Thomas Vanek. I think that's the last time midseason that he's made that kind of a move where he sold somebody that was like an older player with the ex- with the explicit pur- purpose of, well, they're Unifay next year. We're going to move them for some assets while we still can. I think that's the last one. Because yeah. every other year they say they say they're going to do something like that and don't. Like yeah. maybe I think did uh, they might have moved Michael Delzato. I think, but I think even that was the same year. Um, like yeah, he was moved for what, a seventh. Like what, and that's it. Like look at every single player this team has had and just ran their value into the ground completely. Yeah. Sven Berchi is sitting in the AHL, can't yeah. get out publicly. Chris publicly say it out loud. Yeah, but then like they do this thing where they go publicly and say like, "Oh, we tried to trade him and no one wants him." So then his value is completely tanked. There's no tact, there's no Oh, people right. are interested, trust me. It's just straight yeah. up on on oh, on space. Yeah. Like we got nothing. This guy's worthless to us and every other team in the league including AHL teams think he's worthless. But we tried. Like that's the mentality. It's like, well, we tried. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. And maybe you should, yeah, because maybe you should ask yourself the question: Hey, why don't any? Why doesn't anybody want any of your players? Huh? Yeah, like, why is that? The maybe, where is your problem? Where, where, may, where are you failing to see the disconnect here? If everyone else doesn't want your players, it's probably because they're not that good and not worth the amount you gave them. And maybe you should yeah. stop doing that. Like Ryan Spooner still sitting on buyout. Like they, they have Ryan Spooner sitting on a buyout deal right now. I mean, like, oh my, uh, Erickson sick. Like technically, I guess it's four million, but if he came into the NHL, six. Like Ugh. Jake Fortanen's on a two-year contract. Uh, two it's, it's a very contract. Buy, you can and buy you it can't out. Can't get but... rid of him, but you can't get rid of yeah, him. Four it's months a two after two-year contract. Yeah. It's a two-year contract that. In, in in real world money, he's only making two and a half million. Like that's that should not be <laughs> No. That should not be the uh, unmovable contract that it is. <laughs> Abs and yeah. under no circumstances should that be that e- that impossible to get rid of. But it is because you because you gave it to a player who no one wants. Like Yeah, because you is... publicly sold and gave up on the player in the most obvious public way imaginable. <laughs> That's right. So that they gave up on like, them and, and then like, signed them anyway. And then signed their replacement. Who's literally the exact same player with the exact same flaws, who is most likely going to go down for the exact same reasons. Like they replaced Berchi with literally Sven Berchi again in Michael Furlan to a shittier contract that was uninsurable because of his concussion issues. Like, there's just no brain. There's no logic. There's just no brains. Anyway, Michael Furland started that season on the first line because they thought he was a first line player, and we can totally. go into a. It could, we could take. We could go into a whole other tangent about how the Canucks constantly sign players for for roles that they are not equipped to do. Yeah, not <laughs> we've talked do. about it at length that they don't seem to actually understand how people work. And they just think they're robots who can do whatever you programmed them to do. Yeah, not and quite how it works. Michael Furland, even though he had had success in Carolina as a third liner, uh, they were like, this is a first line left winger and he's going to be Pedersen and Besser's winger. And until Travis Green shut that down, it was like, nope, okay, this is JT Miller's spot now. And that worked out. And that worked out the way I think a lot of us did thought it would, which is better, much better. And and that again, that's not a slight, a, really a shot at Michael Furland. They put him no. in the role where he wasn't going to succeed. Yeah. And with Tanner Pearson, 
uh, you're looking at a, ca a scenario where, yes, he's doing all right, right? He, well, he's done all right on the second line, mm -hmm. but the way that the, the Canucks have... He hasn't done much. This year has been a bit of a... Has been a has definitely sucked, and I'm... Yeah. But it I'll won't be easier this. next year either. No. I mean, I and I will say to a certain extent, I'm willing to give players, certain players, like a mulligan on this year for just how weird it is. Like, they're... Like, and I mean that for players throughout the rest of the league. Like, there are a lot sure. of players who are having just weird years stats-wise. Like, Ovi had a really tough start to the year. Uh, because yeah, Minajad had a really tough start to the year. I, I'm willing to forgive stat line i'm willing to forgive the stat line a little bit but it still shows the flaw in where the canucks think and where how the canucks think about things how they constantly give out these ridiculous contracts to players who are at their lowest value and give them top dollar like they're like it almost seems like there's no negotiation going on and yeah it's just it's just it's we said it like with the tyler myers thing it's just them bidding against themselves like who yeah. I bet if you went to market right now and said to all 31 teams or sorry, 30 teams, actually, no, I guess 31. Cause I bet Seattle can technically Seattle will be send, Seattle. I think offer technically, a contract can do, too. Um, technically, yeah, do but business, they would, yeah. I bet if you said, Hey, do you want to take this three year, $3.25 million contract for Tanner Pearson on a, your second line, possibly third line? No, one's going to say that they're gonna be like, no, no, it's a flat cap environment. Like we, we don't have the space for in that. In the middle of a, in the middle of a pandemic. In this economy? Our, own, our owners lost a bunch of money this year from yeah. all their uh, things. Although uh, actually Forbes might argue against that. I do believe that they added more billionaires to the list <laughs> in the last, I don't know if you saw that there's like the, the billionaires list. Apparently they added more people. That would have been something I'm sure we'd have talked about on this show. <laughs> the moral of this story kids is eat the rich. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that is the moral, yeah. Now, but in all in all seriousness, like no, Tanner Pearson was not going to get three point two five million from any other team in the league. Uh, no, coming into the U.S. if it's, he had made it to free agency, it is the and Canucks setting the market once again for no for, one. For no one, <laughs> yeah. like they just like <laughs> every deal like, that's going to get signed from here on is going to just make the Canucks look like complete idiots. They're going to look like yeah. buffoons. Like other teams are going to trade, you know. Mike Hoffman or uh, or Taylor Hall, they're going to retain dollars so that better teams can acquire these players at you know a fraction of what Tanner Pearson's making, and everyone in the market is going to be pulling their hair out because they're going to be like, why didn't the Canucks have the sense to do something like this? It's yeah. it's frustrating, I mean, man. Patrick Johnson tweeted out today that um, Corey Perry on the Canadians, has more goals than Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson has six goals this year. Um, Corey Perry has nine. And Corey Perry right. is making $750,000. Radical. Which That's is... very cool. Which is... Uh, which is... This is actually very interesting. That's actually... That is uh, less than $3.25 million per season. Not a lot of people know that. That's, that's wow. less. That's less money. TIL. It, seriously. It, <laughs> yes. <laughs> TIL. Um, it's... I I just you know there's we can we could talk about this for hours. Just I don't even think we should because it's just the whole mess is like I mean the it's, no, it's a mess. No, Everyone knows it's a it's mess. It's too depressing. It's misery. It's frustrating and and, the, and the sad part is there's still three days to four days left to the trade deadline. When at this like the Tanner Pearson extension also says to me the team is not selling. They are they are fully prepared for the return to play for their team to try and gun for playoffs, even though they the are like nine points out of it, basically with games. I actually guess they're not games in hand anymore, but with a team that is yeah. like COVID rattled basically, and going to be struggling to recover. Like, or at the very least, they think that if they run it back next year with the exact same roster, they'll just do, they'll do way better. They'll they'll they think they'll do a lot better next season for some reason. Totally, that's totally what'll happen. Like that that's <laughs> kind of what it seems like. Cause I mean I I don't I mean I think like I, I I hesitate to say this, but I'm like they can't actually think they can make the playoffs this year, do they? Like there's there's no way there's no well, way they actually think they could make it in, do they? I would be well. Here's the thing: Jim Benning is going to talk tomorrow morning, I believe, um, about. Uh, I think the first half of their press conference is going to be with the team doc team doctor talking about COVID and the 
public and like talking about like the public stuff and everything, which let okay. With every with all the stuff the garbage has gone on today, good on them for being public about what's going on with their players for with COVID wise. That is good. Not sure. just yeah. not from a hockey that's not good. even from a hockey standpoint. That's good from a public health standpoint. That they're gonna actually discuss, hey, this is what's going on with these players, and this is why everyone should stay inside and be careful. It's... That's good. And nobody they didn't necessarily need to do that. That's a good thing. It's um, total burying the lead again by the Canucks, where they they simultaneously a have a press conference detailing the biggest issue on the team, which is the COVID situation. But also, oh, here's this contract extension we signed that probably could have waited for like six months. But uh, yeah, we're going to talk about both at the same time. So then I mean, all these no, poor media no- guys are going to have to pick and choose between talking about the COVID situation and the team's recovery or this deal that makes zero sense in the grand picture of things. So the one thing, yes. So the one thing I do think, okay, they might not have to pick. They might not have to pick, which is good. Cause I did think they said the first half of the press conference is going to be with him and the doctor. And then the next half will be just Jim. So they will, I think technically get to ask both, but you are correct. This is burying the lead a little bit, especially like, I don't like, I don't think I, I don't think we didn't notice that they slid the Tanner Pearson extension in with the the same post as yeah. the Thatcher Demko one because they knew everyone would like the Demko one. Yeah. <laughs> they knew no one would like the Tanner Pearson yeah. one. Um, they know what they're doing. They know oh, they're making sure. everyone mad, um, and everyone thinks they're stupid. Um, mm-hmm. But like. I'm going to be stunned. Like, it'll be stunning tomorrow if he, like, comes out and is like, oh, yeah, we're going to make the playoffs this year. We're going to do great. And then, uh, like, and then... We're going to hear a lot of, it'll be tough, but we're going to try our hardest to make the playoffs. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be really fascinating. Like, uh... Again, Daniel Wagner, pass it to Bliss. He's been killing it late. He was great in the last press conference. I'm already, I'm already prepping for, like the end of season press conference when they don't make the playoffs cool. after Jim Benning says in this one, they're going to make the playoffs and either Daniel or one or Drancer or one of, or Jeff or J Pat, one of them is going to be like, Hey, remember like a month ago? Hey, like remember like yeah. three weeks ago and you said they were going to make the playoffs and they didn't. How come well, what happened? And you're going to, and they're going to have to make excuses for that again. <laughs> uh, so speaking of end of season, I guess we'll, we'll close on this. Uh, little thought I had while actually driving home. Um, in regards to just like the the body of work of this regime, let's say in two years from now, the the Benning and Wisebroad regime finally comes to an end. They miss playoffs in both the next two years, and we look back on a nine to ten year or ten season body of work where they've drafted very well acquired a lot of very good young talent, but have bungled the cap so badly with old players that declined nearly immediately upon signing the extensions they were assigned to. What would you say? Like, how would you summarize or categorize this last 10 year period? Like what's the big takeaway? Is it the drafting or is it, is it the drafting and the success of starting fresh or is it the, the unfulfilled pain of having drafted such elite talents in Elias Patterson and Quinn Hughes, but doing nothing with it. What would be the grand takeaway for you? The grand takeaway for me, I think would be the, I would be the, I've, I don't know how to put this. I have, I don't think there's ever been a point in my per, in my personal career, like or lifetime, watching the Canucks, mm-hmm. where I've ever been more, where I've ever been more concerned that I'm going to see a group walk out with nothing. Like I'm going to see a core in an era just walk out empty-handed with absolutely yeah. no, like maybe a division title in there somewhere, but other than that, nothing. Like yeah. when the Canucks were at their best. Uh, in the Luongo Sedin era, when they were playing at their absolute best, mm-hmm. there was never really a point where I wasn't like they can't, they can, win, where I wasn't like they could win the Stan, I, they they won't win the Stanley Cup. Like every yeah. year, even at the end, when even going into the John Tortorella year, there was still you, a part of me and a lot. I think a lot of people. I think a lot of people market, were like, "This is what they need is a coaching change." 
this might be exactly what they need to just reinvigorate the group and go for that final run. Because even yes. in 2011, 2012, I think people were like, man, they, they blew it in game seven, but there's just no way they come back next year with the same group and don't blow people away. And they came back and they fucking won a president's title. Again, like, two years again, in a row. Two years in a row. Like, and they got their, and they got their asses handed to them sweat. by the Kings. But, but even then, like even after they lose that, it's yeah. literally like the Kings want to win the faith. cup, and everyone in Vancouver is like, "Oh, if they just get past the Kings, they'd win." So yeah. next year is their year, and then and so on and so on and so on, and that's its own other sort of like anxiety right. as a fan for sure. But at least there's expectations. At least there's actually an expectation of a culture of winning, uh, yeah. and a culture of winning. Whereas this year, like I've I've really gotten to this point where I'm just like I'm already just looking like five or six years down the road, or maybe, I guess more probably, like maybe closer to like eight, eight years down the road, where like Pedersen and Hughes and Besser and Horvat are all on different teams. They're all yeah. playing for other teams. And because they had to dismantle the core, because they didn't win anything, because yeah. they never got anywhere and the players got tired of losing and got tired of being in a losing culture. The same way, in a, in a, in not a way, in the like same... In a it's way, kind of like, like what Buffalo, like Calgary's at right now, too. Like, okay. Kind of like the yeah. Calgary model, like where Much they had like this young go. group that was really kind of looking like they were gonna eclipse the hump. They were gonna really start to do something, but they never rounded it. They kind of yeah. just kept spinning their legs, couldn't quite get over the hump, and then five, Maybe. six years later, they had to blow it up. I mean, the the Flames are awful right now, and it's going to be a, they're going to blow it up. Any new GM is going to have to torch that entire place. No pun intended. Yeah. And, and even that, and even the flames, I think won a, a title, won a division title. Like I think yeah. they won the Pacific a couple years ago and then just that was, that run was last year. Was it not? They were the er, best team in the division. They're the best team. Two years ago, two years ago. Cause it was Kale McCarr came oh, in that's for right. the playoffs uh, before right, his right. rookie year. And, they were amazing. And the Avalanche got red hot, and that's when they start. Yeah. the Avalanche really started going on their uptick. Yeah. Um, so they at least had... They actually, they might have even had the best record in the West, I think. Uh, the Flames I, did, I think. Or they maybe were they the, were like one behind Nashville, I think, possibly. Um, or... Yeah. No, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. It, the point, it doesn't the point matter. Is, they won a division, which the Canucks don't have. They yeah. The Canucks have not won a division title. They can't say they have. And... I look at them, them, I think the Islanders before Lou Lamorello, like the John Tavares era for the Islanders is another good comparable here to a certain extent where it's just these, you see the potential, you see what's possible if the right person is there to Mm -hmm. make the pieces fit and they find the pieces that fit right now until something changes upstairs. Yeah. I don't see a scenario anymore where they can go and win that cup, where they can go and win a Stanley Cup. I just see Calgary and New York in front of me. And yeah. that's scary as hell because imagine we put in the seven years already. We get another, what, 15? Do like we get up to like 15 after 15 like... 15 just Patterson to get competitive Hughes. again? 15 to get... <laughs> To hell, or just like they do get into like some playoff games, but they never like make it out of like round one or two because it's the same management group yeah. just hoping things are going to fix themselves yeah. and just hoping that Pedersen and Hughes and Demko will bail them out and win something that way. Yeah, I just see darkness right now. All I can yeah, see it's, is it's the writing on the wall being a Canucks fan. I don't know yeah, what, if that's what about you. That's kind of yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Is like it, we're going to be looking back and like you said, like the the Sedin era, when they were at their peak, you kind of just had a feeling they were going to make it work and find success no matter what, because the people that were in charge managed to find gold whenever they needed to find gold. This group, because it's the same problems year in year out for close to 10 years, we're going to be looking back. If they don't make, make the playoffs or like round that hump and actually become something we're going to be, it's just going to be a fan base that is completely apathetic and like just dealing with Stockholm syndrome, having looked at Elias Patterson turn 25 or 26 with 
just that one series, that playoff bubble series, and that's it. And that's unacceptable. You can't get star talent like this in like fifth overall what and do nothing with it. That's just it's it's not fair to the players, it's not fair to the fan base that have obviously, as we can see through Canucks Twitter alone, just like how passionate people are to see a team that can win. And that is like just this Pearson deal, although Pearson isn't the player that is the reason why these concerns are coming up. It's the process behind it that cause us to be just so, so worried for the future and how we're going to be looking back on just a decade of apathy and misery. It's, it's a shame, man. I, I'm not looking forward to the next two seasons and that's almost like why I'm I'm so bummed that this Pearson uh, extension happened now because now we have the entire summer, the next seven months basically of looking at Cap Friendly's page and seeing that seventeen million dollars only of cap space and trying to figure out how you build a cup contender that can actually make the playoffs with that amount of money, including an expansion draft to Seattle in that time. That is a recipe for disaster. And given how bad BC is handling this COVID epidemic or pandemic and how slow they are at getting people vaccinated, I don't know if I can do another summer cooped up inside watching miserable (laughs) Canucks news unfold. I can't do it. Um, I, I don't think much. I don't think most of us can. And I, I will add just to add to the sadness here. Apparently, according to Patrick Johnston, um, somebody asked, somebody made the joke in his uh, when he was talking about Travis Green earlier today. <laughs> like, when does Seattle announce Travis Green's contract? You think uh, Patrick June Johnston 2nd. said June second, uh, which implies that his contract is expiring June first, a uh, month before uh, you have it. You have the the free agency period starts, or well, I guess more than that technically. Very good. Uh, Pretty sorry, days, yeah. Because it's a, which is like very good. Sh- sure, sure, sure. Okay, like the just a, that would be you know just another just icing on the cake, wouldn't it? Um, and then I guess if there's one last thing we should do, we we might have to do here, uh, because this is the show where we get sad uh, a little bit. Uh, is hey look. It's the draft lottery simulator. Let's uh let's sim this real quick and see if they win. Uh nope, ninth. Oh, not even close. That is uh ninth again. Ninth again. Ooh, tenth. <laughs> oh, we dropped. Hey. Perfect. Oh, we dropped one spot. Hey. Buffalo Nine. A lot of Seattle's won a first overall would actually be really rad. I have I I think I've drawn Seattle on this already like twice. Um uh, nope, nothing. Okay, well, you keep, that's you keep a bummer. Run, keep running the sim. I'll do our little closer here. Uh, okay. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to another uh, episode, our first emergency CreaseCast episode, which is really bizarre considering there's been a lot of things actually worth having emergency uh, episodes about. Oh, I got um, a second overall. And oh, behind yeah. Seattle. <laughs> behind oh, Seattle. Uh, but oh. mm, that'd hey, be so sad, though, if they, they trade. Did, if they, Okay, what if the Canucks get first overall and they trade down to second overall to Seattle so that they take uh, Braden Holby? <laughs> That's not well. They give him first. I like, guess in Canucks, this draft, maybe. I guess maybe. It, I mean, in this it draft, depends. That'd be kind of. I know. Like happen, this but, draft is such a crapshoot. Yeah. It really could. It honestly might be that worth it, but yeah. um, uh, I'd have to see. That anyway, I yeah. Anyways, folks, uh, thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate, like, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. Check out our Patreon where we have dollar and five dollar tiers. We were going to do an off the post episode tonight instead, but we figured it was way more appropriate to do an emergency episode for the mass public because, oh boy, the Tanner Pearson news drew some reactions, as you can tell by the previous hour and a bit. Um, Check out our YouTube channel as well. You can rate, like, and subscribe to that as well. Lachlan posts full videos of that and he's been breaking them down into smaller clips so that people won't complain in our internet com- comments. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> hey, for the, watching. Hey, the fans can ask what they want for. Um, this is true. Oh. Thanks for listening as well. Uh, Lachlan, where can the fine folks find you? 
Uh, you can find me at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lock in the Crease. And you can also find my, uh, uh, my work at LockintheGrease.com, where I post the uh, North Division Power Rankings every single Sunday, except for this last week and uh, maybe this week, because of, again, this is just due to the Canucks being out with COVID. Didn't think it was great to do the funny, sh- the funny, the funny article uh, mm-hmm. when it's not really a good time to be funny. Maybe yeah. that'll come back Fair for enough. this week if people just need a laugh. I don't know. Um, and as well, just to let everybody know, uh, we might have a slight schedule change this particular, just for this week, uh, because Cody is covering the Comets game tomorrow night. And since there is no Canucks games to really talk about, it would be silly to do for me to just do a show on my own. So we'll probably record our next regular episode on Saturday, on Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon, probably. Um, and yeah, and you can also find me and you can also find the show as well on our Instagram uh, at the Creasecast and on Facebook at Creasecast. Uh, Cody, where can you? Where can they find you? Uh, y'all folks can find me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter. My game recaps are on thecometsharvest.com. Uh, sorry guys, <laughs> that's all I can say. <laughs> so, but guys, um, stay inside. Uh, there's a really bad variant going around. Uh, please be safe and. and um, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll try it. I don't know. We'll find some fun things to do this week. I don't know. We'll find some good stuff for you. Um, we'll yeah, until then. Uh, take care. For you guys, uh, we'll try. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.